Welcome to the Weight Training Podcast with your host, Tracy Waite. Welcome back to the Weight Training Podcast. This is your host, Coach Tracy Waite. I have a great interview for you. I've invited uh, Lana Simic to be my guest on episode number 12. Lana is the senior volleyball recruiting coach for NCSA. She's originally from Serbia. She played college volleyball at LIU Brooklyn, which is a Division I college in Brooklyn, New York. She was named uh, Player of the Year and Libero of the Year and four-time all-conference selection. She also coached at LIU Brooklyn, and she has also participated as um, a beach volleyball player on the Serbian national beach volleyball team. Uh, she continues to coach indoor volleyball um, at the club level as well as the high school level. And we have a great interview, and I got a lot out of it. And I'm going to have to have her back because there's so much more that I think uh, we didn't have a chance to dig into. But I really hope you enjoy my interview with Lana Simic. So without further ado, here she is. Hey, welcome, Lana. I really appreciate you coming on the Weight Training Podcast. How are you doing? Hi, Tracy. I'm doing very well, and thank you for having me today. Absolutely. It's a, a treat to be able to talk to somebody with your background experience as well as a recruiter. I know that uh, a lot of the people that are listening to the podcast are going to be excited to hear some of the things you have to share around NCSA and recruiting. But before we get started with that, why don't you back up a little bit and just share with us um, how you got started in sports. What was the first introduction you had to sports and what um, was it? What sport was it? So, um, honestly, I only played volleyball my whole life. Um, you know, growing up in Serbia, it's a little bit different. They really push you to focus on one sport at young age. And I started playing volleyball when I was nine years old back in um, a small hometown in Serbia. And I just right away fell in love and, and been in volleyball for the past 20 years. Awesome. So with the, uh, I have some questions around the volleyball in Serbia. So is it starting out like in a recreational type of a league or is it starting out in a club? Give us an idea of what that looks like um, in Serbia from a volleyball perspective. It's club. It's club organization. And it's a little bit different than here in the States because, uh, uh, you know, back home in Syria, we don't don't have teams by age uh, group. You know how here we have U10, U12 and so on. Uh, back home is, um, you know, you're in elementary school and everyone that is in elementary school, even if you're nine or you're 14, everyone practices together and everyone plays together. So it is a club team that you start with right away. Um, but it is not separated by age groups like here. So when you're playing games against other teams, is it more from a skill level standpoint? You know, like you have a ones team, twos team, threes team. Um, it, it is, it is not, uh, because, you know, like I'll give an example. I was, um, when I was 14 years old, I actually p uh, started playing with a senior, my, the club team, like the senior team on, on my club. And I actually played next to a player who was 35 years old at that time. So it really is, it's more by, it's more by, uh, by skill. You know, if you're, if you're good, you'll be playing with the older, uh, older girls. You know, if you are, um, you know, the same age group and then you're not as good, you'll still stay and play on a, a junior team or youth team. Got it. I got it. 
So at what point did you start getting uh, the, the bug or the inspiration to want to play volleyball at the, at the college level? Mm-hmm. Great question, Tracy. Yeah, well, honestly, my senior year of high school, this is where I started talking a little bit because back when I came to the States in 2000, when I started thinking about coming to the States um, and, and playing uh, volleyball in college back in 2004, 2005, uh, it was not as popular for uh, European players to come to the States as much as is it today. And so I did have a, a friend who was on my club that uh, went, um, you know, came to, to Hawaii a year before me. And this is where I um, started thinking, you know, this is something that I would like to pursue because it is a little bit different in Europe. After you finish high school, you pretty much need to decide if you want to go ahead and, and go to college and get your college degree or you want to go play professional volleyball. There's not a lot of balance between being able to still play and uh, go to college oh, okay. you know so at that, at that point at that point you know it was it was very important for me to still get my education you know I did have some offers to stay in Europe and play but it wasn't really that appealing as much as being able to come get a full athletic scholarship and uh, or, you know a division one program and then uh, and then get my education done um, so sometime my senior year is when I started thinking about it. I actually took a year off after my senior year and just played for one year. And then after that, I came to the States. So played uh, professionally or just played uh, in some leagues or clubs? Not, not professionally. Um, not professionally at, at that point because I understood that if I wanted to come to the States, I was not allowed to play professionally. Correct. If I wanted to play college volleyball, I was not allowed to play professionally. Yep. So I stayed and played for the same club team. Um, and, um, and, and, and that was it because my, and I really was using that one year to connect with coaches, yes. to really my time to go through the recruiting process the right way and really prepare for, for SAT, which was, you know, I could, I couldn't speak any English when I came here. So that was the biggest, that was really the biggest challenge, making sure that I pass SAT to be able to, um, to be, to be eligible. That's awesome. So just one more question around the volleyball perspective. Mm-hmm. What was the, the age group in which you pretty much got, um, you know, put into the position that you were going to be best at, you know, from a volleyball perspective? Mm-hmm. You know, did you play, tell us what position you played and when did you start specializing really that that was the position you were going to be recruited as? Mm-hmm. So um, when... You know, I was 12, 13, 14. I uh, grew to be 5'9", and I was one of the tallest on the teams. However, I have to be honest, people in Serbia and are very yes. tall. So when I turned 14, 5'9", I was the shortest player, <laughs> you know. And so before that, before that, before I was 14, I was a power hitter. But then everyone started growing, and my teammates, you know, were 6'1", 6'2", and I, and I stopped growing. So they switched me to a libero position. Um and so when I was 14, I started specializing in a libero position. And this is where, um, this is what I got recruited for, to play in college as well, libero. Awesome. I love that. So when you were recruited, were you recruited by multiple colleges? I, I did. I have to be honest, I had about 20 offers on the table. Gosh, that's a good problem to have. So what, what was it that went into your decision as to which college you ended up choosing? Mm-hmm. So um, I actually picked LIU Brooklyn 
which is a small private division one school um, in Brooklyn, New York. And something that was really important um, for me when I was picking school was location. That's why I picked New York City. Um, the second factor was uh, diversity. You know, coming from Serbia, I wanted to be um, in, in, in the environment where there was a lot of different nationalities around and, and very diverse. Um, you know, the next factor was I wanted to make sure that I, have, I play a big role and be an impact player from the beginning. So from my freshman, uh, freshman. So playing time was uh, very, very important to me. And then, um, you know, just LIU coach at that point was all over me. He was very convincing and and I had uh, the best four years of my life at LIU Brooklyn. And if I could do it all over again, I would, without even thinking, pick LIU. That's awesome. That's that's the story we like to hear as that uh, <laughs> you made the right choice and that you felt good about it. And you went with, was it more you went with your gut or was it you had a checklist of pros and cons and that one was the one that lined up the best for you? You know, Tracy, I actually never visited LIU. So I've never visited, you know how we really focus and tell our uh, clients, go ahead, go and visit yes. school. Um, and campus, I've never visited. I just went with my gut. Honestly, uh, like I mentioned, I had 20 different offers. And the moment I received that email from LIU, and it was a big NYC, <laughs> you know, in that subject yes. line, in that subject line, I told my friends, that's it. And I told my family, that's it. This is where I want to be. And this is where I want to go. And my gut was telling me that this was the, the best choice. And like I mentioned, the, by far the best uh, the best four years of my life well obviously what went into having that be the best four years of your life was the coaching and the program as well as the school in the city let's let's pivot a little bit to the coaching I wanted to dive into um, giving a little bit of our listeners what different coaching is like and what uh, good coaching looks like from your perspective so give us an idea of how you like to be coached how does Lana like to be coached <laughs> so Again, going back to, I come from Serbia and coaches are very, very tough in Serbia. And, you know, from the, from the beginning, you know, when I started playing is um, a lot of discipline, um, a lot of commitment. So I like, um, you know, I like to be disciplined. I like, I like to be around pl people and players and coaches that are very committed to what they do. Yes. Um, I love I love uh, one of my coaches, and this is something, and, and I'll mention that I am a, a coach, and I coached at LIU, and I've been coaching club and everything. I love, I, I, I like when coaches show me love, uh, and I like, like when coaches care about players and care about, um, you know, the program and everything. So, you know, I, I go by, you know, love what you do and, and do what you love. You know, that's my favorite quote. and. This is something, this is something that, and I like to be with people who are very passionate about what they do. Yes. So <laughs> uh, pivoting from there, what do good coaches do now that you, we know that you coach and you have played, what do good coaches do that bring the best out of their players? Mm -hmm. um, so I think um, that the big part of it is that you have to, as a coach, you have to understand that you know, in volleyball, you're coaching 12, 13, 14, 16 players. Yes. And even though, you know, that's your team, each of these players are 
individuals and you need to be able to adjust your coaching style, you know, because we all have our certain coaching style, but a good coach needs to be able to adjust their coaching style based on each player and still know and understand how to bring the whole team together. So I think that adjustment, being able to adjust to, to each individual player is something that good coaches do. I love that. So you told us what your favorite quote is. What are some of your go-to coaching phrases or words that you use with your athletes? Oh, that's a, um, you know, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, One thing that I uh, don't let my athletes do is look for excuses. Okay. Um, That's, that's a part of my coaching, you know, Um, you know, one thing is that, you know, when my players tell me, but I'm trying and I tell them, Hey, I know you're trying, but, you know, stop trying and get it done. Because if they keep saying I'm trying, I feel like they're looking for excuses, you know. So that's something, um, you know, that's something that, that I, um, I, I'm big on. But other than that, I, you know, as a coach, I just um, uh, and I actually read a great article not that long ago that uh, one of the basketball, um, Notre Dame basketball coach actually um uh, talked about is you you need to be able to um, show some love to your players you need to be you need to coach them hard and you need to push them hard and you need to challenge them but you need to be able to show to uh, especially in, in women's volleyball um, especially in women's volleyball is something that you got to show um, love to to these players and and like I mentioned uh, as long as you love what you do and um this is something that um, these players will will feel and these families will feel that you're, you're working with. And so that's, you know, that's the that's the important part of it. Well, we get along really well as a, as coaches. Uh, I really like your philosophy <laughs> and the way you talk about not just the players, but the families. Tell me a little bit about how uh, Lana defines success when it comes to sports or life. You know, Give us a little perspective of how that looks like for you. So it's not, I, I am personally not driven by money okay. um, at all. I'm not, not driven by money. I'm driven by impacting these young players or these families' lives, okay? Because you are more than, um, you know, being a successful coach me- means more than just teaching them a skill, okay? You got to be their coach. You got to be their best friend. You got to be their parent, Okay, you got to be their teacher. So I think that just being able to see these families thankful for what we do as coaches is something that really defines success for me. Um, And, um, you know, I'm big on setting up goals and I set up, uh, you know, long, short term goals with uh, for myself, but also with my my players. I uh, set up long term goals because I think it's very important to set up smaller short-term goals because it feel it does feel good when you accomplish something like that it does feel good for me as an individual it does feel good for for these players uh because it is it, it then it looks like you are you know being successful and you're accomplishing little steps and then of course once you accomplish that big step at the end of the year or at the end of the club season is something that it does feel um very special yes i agree that was a good explanation yes that was that was, that was really <laughs> good go. thank you so this is You're something welcome. that's a little bit of a controversy with some of the coaching circles that I run into. Not necessarily a controversy, but there's strong opinions one way or the other. And I'd like to hear what mm-hmm. your thoughts are on strengths and conditioning in addition to volleyball play or touches. 
what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, players working on their bodies from a strength, you know, agility, balance, coordination, in addition to actually playing or touching the volleyball in practice? Mm-hmm. I'm big on this. Okay. I think it's very, 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 the strength and conditioning is very important because think about this, you know, if you have a three-day tournament, if you have a three-day qualifier for volleyball, these players are going to be playing in, that weekend. They'll be playing at least, um, you know, 10 matches yes. plus. And so, you know, if you are only touching that ball, but you're not conditioning on the side, you're not preparing your body to be able to handle 10 matches in three days, which for these young athletes, you know, that's that's tough. It's tough for it their is. bodies and it's tough for their knees and it's tough for their shoulders. So the same way we're preparing them to learn how to pass and how to serve, you know, these individual skills, you have to be able to prepare their body and their brains for w- what it takes to, to be able to handle physically three days of, of you know, heavy tournaments and, and 10 plus uh, matches. And so I'm very... I put a lot of emphasis on that. I personally, when I work with my uh, high school team and my uh, club team, I always do um, do additional conditioning with my teams. And I, I really believe that, you know, clubs around um, can, you know, put some more emphasis on, on, on that and add some, you know, maybe take a 30 minute before practice. You have a two hour practice. Take 15, 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be 30. Take 15 minutes and condition these athletes. You will see a big yes, difference. Yes, yes. I'm in your camp. So it's it's good to hear mm-hmm. that uh, you have the same philosophy as I do because mm-hmm. a, a lot of these tournaments are really long. And uh, if they're not, if their body's not used to what it takes to perform consistently at a high level for long periods of time, um, they're really going to fade in the, the second half of those days that are really long. So I've mm-hmm. seen much uh, better success when they've conditioned and they have their body used to that type of an effort. So awesome. For sure. And, and let me ask, and let me just add to that, Tracy, you know, growing up in Serbia, we practiced every day. Mm. We had an hour and a half to two hour practice every day. And we did a little bit of conditioning every day. So it's also different, you know, clubs here in the States, uh, you usually practice two to three, three times yes. a week. And you don't have a lot of time. I understand from the coach's perspective, you don't have a lot of time and you can, or you cannot afford to take 15, 20 minutes off your practice because you only see your team twice yes. a week. But still, it will, be, it will benefit these young athletes because think about a volleyball player, a 15-year-old volleyball player that is going to jump 200 times plus and take a swing 200 times plus that weekend. Imagine how much pressure is that on her shoulder and yes. her knees. And she's young, so she needs, these players need, uh, you know, to, pre- to be prepared. And their shoulders and their knees need to be prepared to what it takes to take 200-plus swings in, in one weekend. Gosh, I agree so much. Uh, we're setting them up for less injuries as well as a longer athletic career when they work on their body and condition it to be able to uh, handle the efforts that they're putting out. I agree. Mm-hmm. Lana, let's transition over to what you do now with NCSA. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about, uh, without me um, spoiling it for everybody, what does NCSA stand for? And why are you excited to be uh, working with NCSA for athletes? Um, well, 
with NCSA for two years. I actually just recently got promoted to a senior volleyball recruiting coach, which is um, very, very exciting. Love working with NCSA. I love our culture and I love our passion um, to help young student athletes and, and young families. Uh, we put a lot of our emphasis on education because recruiting process, it's a process. It takes time. You need to be able to learn about certain phases of your recruiting in order to be able to apply that. You know, so learn how to email coaches, which is, you know, what we do. We educate our, our families about emailing coaches in order to be able to apply that. Learn how to communicate and make phone calls to college coaches in order to be able to apply that. So we put a lot of emphasis on educating our clients and our families, which, again, uh, as a, a coach, um, I'm very, very passionate uh, about it. And, and then the other thing is the connecting these families with, uh, with college coaches is a big part of what NCSA does. So NCSA stands for Next College Student Athlete, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So at what point, let's say that somebody's a high school athlete and they're starting to <laughs> you know, have some pretty good success as a freshman or sophomore, how soon should they start getting um, involved in the recruiting process or even to be start, start thinking about it? From, let's talk, mm-hmm. let's talk about so, this volleyball, you know, keep it there. Okay. Well, Tracy, you know, it's, it's amazing that um, now as a freshman, you got to, you have to start uh, thinking about your recruiting process and you want to start your recruiting process because these coaches are recruiting um, earlier and earlier, um, you know, and, and as a freshman, you want to start thinking about um, your rec- recruiting process. Some top division one schools in the country are committing freshmen. You know, there was not that long ago an eighth grader committed to Minnesota. You know, so the earlier you can start thinking about um, your recruiting process and what if you want to uh, start your recruiting process, actually, the better because of what I just mentioned. Yes, because that gives you the ability to have many more contacts and networks and ultimately mm-hmm. more options um, once you are graduating is that correct? And, and it gives you more exposure. Yep. It gives you more exposure early on. Yes. Um, you know, we imagine being able as, as a freshman, have being able to have coaches around your court evaluating you. It's, it's pretty awesome. And, and you're starting your process early. These coaches are understanding and knowing who you are while you're very young. And then it's easy for them to, to follow your progression. Yes, absolutely. And I think uh, coaches are understanding more now the family dynamic of who they're recruiting instead of just the athletes, mm-hmm. you know, that they get the family is coming with them. And sometimes that can be a very positive component to the athlete that's in their program, but it, sometimes it can be not so positive. So I think having a familiarity and a comfort level with the athlete they're recruiting is something that the coaches are looking at more seriously. Is that correct? It, it is correct. And, and, Coaches will be evaluating parents the same way they're evaluating players on a court or at a tournament. Um, so that's the that's the becoming that is becoming a, a big part because, like I mentioned, you are like you mentioned, um, you are bringing the family. Um, you know, you're recruiting not just a player; you're recruiting a family too. So, parents, keep in mind that coaches will be evaluating you while you're on a, on a, on the on the sideline cheering. That's right. So tell us a little bit, and this is something that um, I was exposed to when we uh, had my daughter uh, work with NCSA to get a scholarship to play tennis. There's a perception out there that to play athletes or to play athletics in college, 
everyone thinks of the D1 scholarship that's a full ride and, you know, oh gosh, you know, I'm probably not at that level, but you, there are thousands, if not millions of athletes that fall in between those cracks that if they really want to have the ability to play athletics in college, because there are so many different choices from junior colleges to division two, division three, give us an idea uh, how it is that you set kids up or athletes or families um, for success in helping them to be able to look at all of those options as well. Yes, Tracy. And you know what? I, um, I'm really big on, like, there is so much more to your college experience than just your sport, yes. than just volleyball. You know, families, and, and I, I understand why everyone wants to play Division One these days, because everyone talks about Division One, and everyone thinks it's, it's all the, you know, it's, it's awesome to be a Division One player, and it's on TV, yeah. you know, that's the big part of it. But there is so much to your college experience and to your life than just your sport. You know, you got to be able to pick like things that matter to me, matter the big city, you know, matter the, the, the diversity. You need to decide as a, as a student athlete what matters to you. OK, and what are your priorities? And th- there is definitely if you're looking for a better balance between academics and athletics, if you're looking to go ahead and be able to have internship during your um, college career or you want to go ahead and and have time to do some clinical hours or make friends or do study abroad you know then division three is a good option for you because it's the best balance uh, uh, between academics uh, and athletics you know if you are you know looking to be able to get possibly a little bit of some um, still have a good balance between academics and athletics but possibly be able to um, you know, get some athletic scholarship, then Division Two and NAIA is a good option for you. Um, you know, so there's so much more. There, there are definitely many, many opportunities out there where you can still have a great life, have a great college experience, and, you know, leave these four years and, and say what I said. That, that was the best four years of my life, and I would done it, you know, I would do it all over, um, all over again. So um, I love that. And that's, that's such good uh, information for people to have so that uh, those that, you know, do want to continue playing um, at the next level, you know, at least have the, the ability to keep that hope and that dream alive, you know, even if they aren't necessarily 6-2 and, you know, a dominant player that's, you know, going to be looked at highly at these club tournaments um, by Division One schools. So the next question I have for you is, you talked about education with NCSA and that's really what our family got the most out of was all Mm -hmm. of the different educational modules, both live with the people that we worked with at NCSA, but also there were modules to be able to take online to, for our daughter to educate herself about this process of being recruited and, you know, how to present yourself to coaches and what needs to be in some of the emails. Tell us uh, one or two other areas that NCSA educates uh, the athletes and the families on. Well, we definitely, um, what I love about um, platform, and I'm telling you this from a, a former college uh, coach perspective, is, um, you know, these families really, when it comes to NCSA, get the best platform out there, okay? Meaning their profile that they get with their NCSA membership. The NCSA university uh, tab up on their profile, that's the educational, that's the educational tab. So we offer recruiting classes, which are live webinars, and we have a topic for each of these recruiting classes that 
um, you know, will um, be uh, helpful for these clients in the recruiting process. We also offer a resource library, which is imagine that everything you can possibly think about recruiting, you have your question answered under resource library tab. That's pretty awesome. Um, and then we also get, we also have find colleges tab, which is every single college in the country that offers your sport is in our system. And you're able through our TSA message center, you're able to email these coaches. So I think that is very, it's very helpful for families that they don't need to go and Google, you know, a specific school and look for the email address. And, you know, it's just so many additional steps that you would need to do otherwise. And with NCSA, it's right there, one click away. Yeah, I think that the time uh, savings alone is absolutely incredible with the membership with yes. NCSA. Yes, and you have your NCSA profile for the rest of your life available. You know, when the, if you decide to go ahead and uh, pick a junior college, we'll help you with transfer. If you go ahead and commit to a school and then after a year or two or whenever you decide to transfer, we're still to, here to help you. You know, so we help with, with transferring transfer students as well. And again, like I mentioned, you have your profile, NCSA profile available for the rest of your life. That's awesome. Well, hey, I've got one more question for you. This has been... Uh... So fantastic to have you on the podcast. Could you share with us a volleyball recruiting success story that you've had since you've been with uh, NCSA? Um, yes, for sure. So I have uh, have to be honest. I had a lot of uh, great um, uh, success success stories um, to share. I think that always the 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 big ones, and and this is something that. Um, um, you know, it's it's good to mention about NCSA that we help uh, less fortunate families uh, with all in award. Uh, and so these are always, uh, you know, fun stories when you're able to help somebody who cannot afford NCSA um, and, and be able to change their life and, and help them commit to a college. And then these families are, you know, uh, very thankful. So all in awards stories are always, um, you know, fun and, and a good stories um, that, you know, to share. But recently, actually, I had a client for, from uh, Latvia, from Europe that has um, a beach volleyball player that has that had no exposure to college coaches whatsoever here in the states and um, they committed to ncsa um, i started working with them in and in a month period she actually committed to pepperdine university wow. on a on a beach volleyball athletic scholarship so that was pretty awesome um you know very um a very good story to really just you know show families that if you have no way of getting exposure or you're not getting exposure through your club or through your high school, you know, NCSA can help you. We can help you with the exposure for sure. And, um, and so that was something that really um, was pretty exciting for me to be able to help somebody that, uh, and, and commit them that quickly um, when they had no other options and no tools to do that uh, on their own. Yeah, that's, that's got to be very satisfying for the work that you do. Yes, for sure. <laughs> well, hey, Lon, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. And uh, I really look forward to sharing your experience as well as uh, the information you shared with NCSA with all of our listeners. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we might have to do a part two at some point. Could we have you on at some point for a part two? <laughs> um, of course, I'll be happy, happy to 
to expand on what we talked about today. But again, thank you, Tracy, for having me. It was my pleasure really um, talking to you and, and um, you know, being able to share my passion and my love for volleyball, but also for NCSA and what we do here at NCSA with, with your listeners. Awesome. Well, you've been very kind and we really appreciate having you on. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you soon. I hope you got as much out of that interview as I did. Thank you again to Lana Simic for coming on to episode number 12 of the Weight Training Podcast. I really enjoyed our discussion, and I hope that you guys were able to get some good information. I'm going to leave Lana's contact information in the show notes so that if you would like to get more information on NCSA, you can do so by contacting her directly if you're a volleyball athlete or a family in search of information on the recruiting process for volleyball. But uh, other than that, thank you so much for being here. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a iTunes rating and review, that would really help the show to grow and to get more exposure. So thank you so much. Appreciate you guys being here. And we'll catch up with you on episode 13. Take care.